Welcome to the Train and Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Barry. Today I'm talking with Sam McCullough for the second time. Sam was a previous guest on the podcast a couple months back in 2020. In this episode, we talk about how he was able to use running as an avenue to improve his mental health. Some of the best songs to listen to when you're out on your runs. We talk about the state of the music industry. We discuss Sam's own music, so his single coming out in his upcoming album, which we have linked in the show notes. And then we also talk about what we do differently with college soccer in our own fitness preparation if we were to do it again. Sam, welcome back to the Training Ground podcast. Uh, last time we spoke on the podcast was December 2020. Uh, it's been a while, uh, just about three calendar yeah. months. So how's everything going for you? Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been, it's been good. Uh, it's been a lot, a lot better uh, since the last time we spoke. Um, I'm in my new apartment now, um, and uh, so yeah, just been just been didn't been here for about two months now. So yeah, I've been doing really well. Good stuff. There was a couple of reasons I wanted to get you back on. I know you've had a couple of life updates. Uh, you've got your new single, new album coming out, and then the other thing too, which I think we both just realized recently, is that this summer is ten years since we um, had our freshman year of college. So. Yeah. Um, maybe we can get into some of the training or maybe the advice or some things we might do a little bit differently as well. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm happy. I'm really happy we did this uh for a second time. I think um the first time around, uh it was really cool to kind of like talk about some some of the old like some stuff from the past, but I kind of was in a I was going through some things at the time and and now I'm I'm just feeling a lot more like a lot more clear about about stuff and I've um, I've got an album that I've an entire album that I've written since then and um, that's coming out soon so you know what I mean it's yeah I'm, I'm buzzing to get back in yeah kinda. the feedback was really good I know you kind of put yourself in a vulnerable position as such in the last uh, episode you're in but the feedback and response uh, from some of the listeners was uh, was really good um, I think your story is is unique or you know maybe it's it's not that unique but it's a story that not a lot of people are putting out there. So, yeah. Um, well, that's good to know because I, I, I was hoping on it, you know, when we were doing it, I didn't really, obviously you don't really know how it sounds until you, you hear the finished product. And then I heard, I heard the, I listened to the podcast when it came out and I was like, Oh, can I like, I, you know, I don't, I didn't know how I was going to, you know, be received, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's good to know that, you know, someone got something out of it. It's yeah. helping someone out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah um, for sure. Let's uh, kind of get into it a little bit. Last time we were talking, yeah. uh, I think you were writing um, some songs for an album. Um, mm-hmm. How's that gone for you, or kind of what stage are you at right now? Yeah, it was funny. Like I was like just beginning to write again um, because with that whole quarantine time and you know the the breakup that I was going through, it, like literally when we were when we had the podcast and stuff, like I was still not. I hadn't really, you know, even picked up a guitar for you know much or done much with music um at the time and I you know like kind of stepping away and focusing on myself and um getting back into like fitness and things like that um it all sort of kind of came uh together so I started writing like probably a lot a lot of different songs um and I think the way I write is a little bit unconventional because or at least compared to probably like most bands 
in the genre that I, you know, I'm kind of going for now. Uh, whereas, so like everything is pretty much done digitally and the writing's done digitally and like the way I've been writing um, for the for the album and, and in the past, to be fair, is I write on my acoustic guitar and I sort of envision what the song will sound like um, as a full band and in, 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 in an entirely different sound, um, but also so that I can play the songs acoustically and stuff. So um, I kind of isolated. Um, I moved at, moved into my mom's for like two months because I had to move out of my ex's place. And I was just like basically just like in the basement, like writing music and, you know, kind of going through, you know, all those stages of kind of um, refining and discovering yourself and stuff like that. Um, but from there, uh, you know, I was, I was able to put about... I, I, did about 10, 12 songs and I whittled it down to about eight. So everything has now been uh, recorded and, and now it's just about um, getting the songs mastered, um, which is actually a cool thing too. Cause um, the guy I typically record with at uh, Cherry Pit Studios uh, called Eric, um, he's really good for, you know, getting good takes and he's, he's made me a much better musician um, just as far as like, going in with a with an idea and kind of with some good demos and stuff like that um but uh to take the sound to the next level i'm actually getting the the entire album mastered by a guy called andy van Det, um which he uh he's mastered a bunch of like big bands like uh also has a great musical name as well andy van Det. yeah 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 you can just tell just like a quality dude you know what's actually sick about him is he's one of the only people who'd um who know how like who uh not one of the only but like the best at like cutting vinyl that's like his specialty is like cutting vinyl so he's uh, can like he's just a very smart dude and he, he he's really cool like really nice to talk to and stuff like that um but he mastered um an album by bless the fall he's out he's mastered a lot of stuff by seven dust uh david bowie beastie boys you know what i mean small artists like that minnows man so I get to that level yeah so now he's now he's working with sam mccullough so i'm sure he's fucking wondering where his career's gone <laughs> <laughs> the charity project yeah man well so it's actually funny like um my one of my best friends here in milwaukee i'll give you a shout out steve-o um his uncle is a sound producer out in uh, new york city uh called frank and like pretty big name, like bit works has worked with like huge artists and stuff. And we ended up just like being like, you know, hey, want to listen? Like, give these songs a listen to, you know, because I had gotten basically the first um, uh, mixes back. And he listened to them, and he was like, yeah, the songs are good. Yeah, but they sound like trash. Like it's they sound fucking very, <laughs> very, um, you know, amateurly done. And 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 that's not again. That's no disrespect to anybody involved it was it was just like from a mastering side of things he has an incredibly like very fine-tuned picky ear and so he's like you know um he's like yeah this is good but like let, let, let me uh let me see if i can you know work something out and, and see if my, my guy andy will will have a sit down and listen and you know see if he'd kind of give you a, a friendly rate to, to master these and it turns out he was able to do that so it was actually kind of like a random connection that i found through my friend and it's just so cool how how it's actually now progressed because um, after getting one or two masters back you know you can really tell um well at least i can fucking tell the quality i don't know about anybody else listening but i can tell just like the fine tune and just kind of hearing the uh the songs sound as best as they ac actually like mm -hmm. can 
you know what I mean? The next level then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's a bunch of other things, like, in the works as far as, um, you know, the the rollout of the album, um, music videos. I mean, it. I literally, you know, was able to do exactly the type of music that I wanted to as well. Like, I think bef- before I'd been doing, like, the acoustic thing and therefore kind of had to put stuff out that made sense uh, to, for my live performances because i'm only you know uh, up till now as a solo artist um but i was like i was getting bored of it because i was like this isn't what i like listening to and this isn't what i like uh to to sing and perform like i want to perform with a band i want to rage i want to like you know play heavier kind of music because that's what really that's what i'm passionate about so Mm -hmm. i was i was able to bring um some of those punk and metalcore influences into kind of the, like the acoustic stuff that I was kind of doing. So there it's literally a, a, a whole span of, um, of just stuff that I like basically all from, you know, kind of UK inspired alternative, like that kind of thing, but more like punk rock and metalcore stuff. So it's, yeah. Uh, Sounds like it'd be a good mashup. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it, it'll be, uh, it'll take a, a couple of listens to, to kind of get your head around it. But I think, uh, it'll make sense when people when you hear the full thing. Mm. Yeah. Kind of sure. along the same lines, uh, I know you started to pick up some uh, running again, some fitness work and yeah. taking a couple of pictures and whatnot. Um, <laughs> uh, how did you get back into that and kind of, did you have any goals or like routine or whatnot? Cause you seem like you're in a good structure now, but how did that start for you again? Yeah. Well, I think uh, running and um going to therapy were like the two things that i just was like that were like making me feel better at the time um isolation being in winter like in wisconsin is different from winter in other places um it's, it was just brutal and like the i always felt after you know a longer run whether it be three or four miles five ten k kind of in in between those um sort of uh distances that you know i i started feeling better and better like as i started doing that so um like i said started going to therapy and then i was just i i think i ran every day for about a month three weeks to a month um and it was just kind of a way of just kind of getting thoughts out of your head and kind of getting up and doing something and then you know i I found that like my brain was working better after a run anyway um so it was I'd go for runs and then I'd sit down, maybe have a drink and write some music, you know? And, and that was kind of just like, you know, I, I, that's been sort of uh, my, my life pretty much. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. say they feel better, but kind of can't really define it. So for you, like, was it feeling better for the rest of the day or kind of moving into the next day or just kind of um, having that mind space to yourself? I think it's definitely like, I get an initial feeling of like happiness or excitement, like right away. And I think uh, a lot of that comes to with like listening to music while I'm running. Um, so I'll listen to whatever it is that I'm, what I'm listening to. And it just kind of like some stuff actually recently, like some old albums from uh, like 2010, 2009. And I'll just start running and I'll just be like, Oh, this is sick. Like I remember this song and I kind of get a bit in my own world and it, and, you know, so by the end of it, I feel kind of like I've gone through, you know, I've worked out whatever it is that's happening in, mm-hmm. in my head, you know what I mean? But then it's, it's weird because, like, I feel like sometimes right after I'll feel, like, depressed 
like as soon as I'm done with the run or like I'll like go and sit down and I'll be like how oh, fucking now what you know yeah but the, but then like you know I think that's that then that's that's just about then creating more structure of things that you need to be doing so you know that's why like with the music, you know, it's, it's the, everything that's been happening is on such a different level now where it's, you know, I'm actually coordinating with like my drummer, uh, the, the recording guy, the guy doing the video, you know, like the guy, uh, my friend Mario, who um, I've been working with a little bit and he, who's actually featured on one of the songs. Um, you know what I mean? So it's like, not, there's other people involved now. So it's, it's more like, um, I wouldn't say like business professional, but more professional in the sense of, you, there's other people so you gotta be on top of your shit like you can't just mm -hmm. kind of go and isolate and you know what i mean yeah. um so having more structure and then obviously like um not obviously but i hadn't been working um because basically my my part you know my job had kind of ended uh it was a temporary job ended and you know it's we, i had lost every all of my uh previous work due to COVID 19 about now a year ago which is wild um but so now i've been i've been also like looking for more work and career opportunities other career opportunities as well so mm -hmm. you know what i mean throwing myself into that and you know things like moving and kind of getting my shit together has been that gives you a lot more to do that gives me a lot more to do now so it's, it's like i'm not like wallowing in you know yeah. whatever whatever the whatever the thing is so running is just basically the first thing that like either first thing in the morning or at some point during the day to kind of like you know just kind of get moving you know mm -hmm. yeah and the music thing's kind of interesting actually there is some research that shows like um if you can match your heart rate to the beats per minute in music mm -hmm. that it can increase performance and kind of things like that so mm -hmm. there is like a mental side of it as well yeah I've noticed that I do I do sometimes run to like the drum beats, the drum mm -hmm. lines and stuff like that. Yeah, I listen to a lot of like. I, I'll be honest. I listen to when I'm running, it's ninety percent screaming music, screamo. Um, but like the Make Them Suffer album, uh, Architect's new album. I don't because I think you had um, sent that to me a while back actually yeah and and like with uh with you with yourself at the gym and stuff like I was want to pick your brain on like what you guys usually listen to there yeah because it's, it's different like running and lifting is like can be different yeah um kind of get a knock on that a lot of time to be honest because like obviously <laughs> like European culture or Irish culture you listen to a lot of like electronic dance music or yeah. you know, stuff like that yeah um but yeah, I found very few of our athletes kind of listen to that music in the gym. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just listen to the same music now. And kind of one of the things that's interesting, I talk with a couple of coaches, is um, kind of the group think or group mentality. So mm. when you ask someone, you know, you're on the playlist today, what do you want to listen to? Oh, I listen to whatever, like, I don't really care. Mm. Um, and you're like, no, like, pick out something. And they'll go with kind of a safe option um very little of the time will you have someone that will truly give you like what they actually listen to you know yeah or what their favorite genre is like i have a women's basketball girl that i asked a while back and i was kind of surprised by her answer she was like oh this is like alternative rock mm -hmm. and it's kind of kind of interesting because in a sense like you put yourself out there um for other people just to kind of <laughs> you know get on to you or abuse you um, yeah so yeah. It, it's a it's an interesting dynamic but i have noticed like at the same time that 
much more the, the top charts in Ireland and the UK are generally speaking like moving away from dance music and towards like more hip hop and I'd say like Americanized music as such, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, I, I, yeah, go on. We have um, like American football groups uh, in the gym, and um, there's one group in particular that they love listening to like hard rock or like stuff ACDC type stuff or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, ninety percent of the other groups they just like listen to you know Drake or whoever's kind of towards the top end of the charts now, and it's yeah, it's all the same. Yeah, it really, it really is. I have to say, I did enjoy uh, like the techno. That was, I did, I did enjoy like the Euro kind of techno thing, like especially like cycling. Mm-hmm. When we used to, when we used to do the cycling classes and stuff, I fucking love that. Yeah, wow. I, I think it's just like that tempo is like reliable. It's such you always know like when the chorus is coming or stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. but it is good for interval type things because. A lot of dance songs, like 25, 35 seconds, it hits that first chorus. Mm. Or like you'll hear something drop and you kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, like I said, I, I, it's all, that's always been... I, I do listen to a bit of that. Like I have a, uh, I have a little playlist um, that's just like general pop music. Like it's, general, it's just dance music. Mm-hmm. It's like um, there's, a, uh, there's an Irish group called Outburst that... I, or what are they called? Their, their Instagram handles outburst pal. Hmm. I think um like Bring Hold Me on. to Horizon is kind of like a gateway for a lot of like people and getting out of like hip hop and not getting into like hardcore music or like anything that heavy, but uh some yeah. of their songs are a little bit more mainstream now. No, I'll get in that in a second. There's a there's a band called Versatile from Ireland, from Dublin. And they are they're like wild. Their song called Ketamine is ridiculous. How and are you like, finding people like this just on Spotify? I don't, or? I don't, I don't know. I think on Instagram. Oh, okay. I still, I still follow some of the boys from Ireland. So I think, I don't know, one of them. I, I, and, and people like, I share stuff on like my story all the time. And I don't know if people like listen to it or ever like go ahead and click it. But if someone's like sharing music that looks interesting, I always like check it out. And mm-hmm. I think it was one of those. But they're wild. But I learned my lesson. Not le- learned my lesson, but it's like I always got frustrated, like with the boys and stuff, because I'd I'd always I'd always try and sneak my stuff in on the at, at the gym, and everyone would just like dog on it. Everyone would say, "This is garbage. This is trash." Like, how do you listen to this? I was like, uh, uh, like David De Gea at United. He's like the only guy in the in the United dressing room that still like listens to like Slipknot and stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah. And everyone says like, "Oh, he's whack." Like he they won't give him the ox cart. But yeah. you know what? Architects just come out with that album uh, like two or three weeks ago, and it got a number one album in the UK. So it just goes to show you that things are changing, you know? I think. Yeah, Rock, I saw that. They did a really big push on uh, all their like social media platforms yeah, they did. as well. Yeah, they did. Yeah. What, what do you think that is? Is that like their first album in a long time, or like what's the kind of reason? No, it's, if anything, like what they've, what they've done is I don't think any band has like done. It was their ninth album, and to put that in context, like most bands in that world that kind of have hit number ones, um, we're talking like Metallica's and uh, Bring Me the Horizon. I think had a number one album uh, for their last their last record. Um, but I mean, for whatever reason, um, some of this some of the stuff as it's progressed is kind of brought more pop elements into it, um, and some more just kind of I think production that 
uh, I think had been missing in in maybe the last six or seven years in in like metalcore and, and hardcore music. And not that it's like I think a lot of like people in the in the scene, quote unquote, have like written, been like, oh, well, they're sellouts, so they're doing it to you know make more money and stuff. But it's what they're doing is they're bringing literally they're bringing heavy music, and they're just putting I think just a new sound on it that simply just appeals to more people, um, which is always a good thing because um, if bands like Bring Me the Horizon and Architects haven't don't do what they're doing, then you know, rock music's just going to be obsolete, really, you know? Yeah, um, I wonder what the impact of them being on tour is as well, because I don't, I don't know, like, what's the kind of perception of them in America? Because we were able to go there a couple of years back, and mm-hmm. um, when you look at the cost of tickets, like, it wasn't nearly what, you know, someone might be here, um, somebody in the charts, for example. Yeah, um, well, like, I think Architects isn't like I, I want to talk a little bit more about them because they're an incredible, an incredible band. I mean, like um, Tom Searle was their songwriter, um, guitar player, like literally the brains of the operation. And I want to say five years ago, four or five years ago, died of cancer. So they I think four years ago. Um, so they essentially lost their, you know, their best friend and their the, the guy who wrote all their music. And then this is their second album since he's been gone. And um, they've just, they've reached levels like unparalleled that, uh, that unparalleled levels like from, from the, from the past, like they're, they played Alexandra Palace, they played uh, Brixton, like these sellout shows and, mm-hmm. um, and things like that, where I think that's going to event, that's going to start having impacts in, in the U S now with like, with bigger venues and bigger tours and stuff like, but it was kind of wild. Yeah. We saw them with, um, think Dyer is murder and while she sleeps like kind of yeah not massive bands um in kind of a smaller venue and i don't even remember that uh, the venue being that full for architects so i think like yeah it is kind of wild and i think when shows come back again like i think i think they're gonna be on par on par with like bring me the horizon who you know do big like much bigger venues and yeah yeah that makes sense um so, so check them out if you haven't what's your own timeline uh, as far as your stuff coming out with the album do you have dates in mind yet or how's that looking i have a single out on friday well i don't know when this is going to come out but april 2nd my single is going to come out um so that's the first single from the album it's called acceptance and uh that's just like a straight punk song i think like pop punk song i think it'll be pretty cool um but after that I'm looking to try and shoot a video uh, mid-April, probably get that hopefully out by end of April um, for a song called Tear My Eyes Out, maybe do another single, uh, but I'm gonna, I'm shooting to try and get the album out um, either end of May or the uh, June, the one after May. Yeah. But, uh, do you anticipate doing anything live down the road or obviously oh, yeah, that yeah. depends on the state in Wisconsin, but do you think summer is an option or more like six months down the road that's the million dollar question isn't it i like it's just we uh for whatever reason the state of wisconsin has more vaccines out than anywhere else in the u.s um so that's encouraging but um it's america and the dickheads are gonna screw it up at some at some point you know what i mean um so who knows but i i i think i mean they're planning to have Summerfest um 
go forward like in September. And if you don't know, Summerfest is the world's largest music festival, which is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, but Can we back that up by facts or research. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just if you go- trust you. No, no, no. If you go, if you do a quick Google, world's largest music festival, you'll find Summerfest. Right. Yeah, we'll yeah. take your word on. So September yeah. for that. Yeah, that's for you, John Melody. Yeah, world's largest music. Yeah, so in the middle of September. <laughs> I was wrong about the Irish festival, though. We don't have the world's largest Irish music festival. Yeah, I'm going to hold that against you um, that, yeah. for life. That is a um, lie. That's a, that, that is not a fact. Uh, let's get into this. Yeah, we'll of, see. <laughs> let's get into some of the more um, kind of other topics we were looking at with yeah, fitness so, then versus now. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, if you can think back exactly 10 years ago, so like spring of high school year for you yeah. uh, as a senior, uh, what were you doing and kind of what was your timeline for commitment to uh, Mercyhurst? I know we did discuss this a little bit, but it'll be a nice mm-hmm. uh, bridge or, or introduction to push on with our agenda from there. So, I, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I I committed to Mercyhurst like at the end of the, of the school year, of my senior year. So I was like very late. Mm. Um I think it was May and like school ends like end of May. So I, you know, I obviously I'd come out on a like one visit trained and, you know, got to know some of the boys and stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, but as far as like um, preparing for that season, that first season, um, I had been, I was playing a lot. Like I, we had a lot of uh, summer leagues and stuff. I think I was on a, u23 team um don't think i was playing men's league yet but just playing in leagues with my friends and stuff so i I mean i was i was literally training pretty much every day and then also playing in league games so i wasn't really um i wasn't really having to do too much of the like the fitness packets and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but but i did like see them and i was you know i read through them and i was like this sounds horrible so this looks horrible like so I, I did some of you know as much as I could because I, I remember being pretty anxious about it in touch with the with the coach and um with the Mercyhurst coach and he was like yeah you know because you're playing like just kind of just do do as much as you can like work on a lot of the like so I did a lot of the core stuff mm-hmm. um the cool down one the 30 minute run that was my favorite um but but did as much you know like I was very lucky because I got to train with um, uh, a, a guy called Mohammed Sethi, who had been signed in the MLS. Um, and he's, if you ask anybody from around like where I'm from, you know, and, and you ask them about him, they'll, he'll, they'll say he's probably one of, if not the best player that's ever come from around here. Um, and I, he was, he was my coach's brother. So I always trained with him like during the summers Um and that was always that was always massive for me. So I learned a lot from him. Um, so I kind of I like my preparations were a little bit like I was definitely like doing fitness every day. Like I was pushing my body, um, but I was also not. I was focused more on the playing side because I wanted to come in and be you know ready to to, to play at that level, not just be able to run around. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. It seems like it is a challenge for a lot of people to try and figure out. Um, how to make the most of our time when we're already playing, like how how much mm-hmm. run you should do or should you do any, things like that. Um, yeah, for me, I was playing under 18 and 
uh, playing on a men's team as well. So yeah. um, we might have games like Friday night and then another game Saturday morning. Uh, we're usually playing twice a week. And then um, I think around the same time, we're still playing with uh, Waterford uh, under 18 team. Um, so we usually are training three times a week. Uh, this is around March, April. Uh, cup finals and that were around May uh, into the start of June. And July was kind of off for early days preseason. I remember in um, probably July, I was trying to catch up on stuff. I was doing well in the conditioning packet, but uh, I knew I wasn't going to sign for any teams because I was leaving in August. But I um, did preseason for like two teams. I remember. Um, I think two weeks before I left, I did 11 training sessions in five days or something like that. Okay, now just do that. Yeah, and like it, most of them were preseason sessions too. You know, they weren't the easiest yeah. thing to do. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, is I just figured more is better at the time. We didn't really have much guidance. You know, it's just uh, yeah, we'll see in 12 weeks. Let's hope for the best. <laughs> I think that's what uh, that's what everyone sort of thinks. I, I probably their first time their first time in you know i think because uh, every coach they stress like you have to be fit top top of your fitness or at least fit when you come in mm-hmm. and that is 100 percent true for for college it's just it's just like it, it depends on like what happens then when you get there you know because if, if you're fit when you get in then you don't need to be doing too much fitness in the in those two three weeks when you're you know supposed to be getting the balls out working you know under getting people used to each other because you only like you said or like i said you only have like two three weeks before your first match mm-hmm. um so that's valuable that's valuable time that you need to get people you know learning um how to play with each other and whatnot um and our and obviously with, with our team we had like what 13 14 freshmen like our incoming class was very big so that was almost uh that was like a bulk of the team you know yeah i think you know, in that sense, it was a case of um, trying to, I don't know how you put it correctly, but not laying down the law, but uh, kind of setting that standard or expectation that, you know, looking back, it might have been a little bit over the top, but. I think it was know. definitely, I mean, I, was, I think it was definitely over the top. I mean, you just look at how the team did about halfway through, you know, I think with injuries and, you know, just just kind of flatlining as far as performance and results and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously like being the, being young and like hungry to come in and like, and, and work, I was like, I got, I remember we, I think we, we were both playing like in that first game of the season, we got a good result, good couple, you know, early, early results against, you know, big nationally ranked teams. And then it just kind of fell off and, you mm-hmm. know, older boys were getting injured. And I, I think it was out within the first uh, round of the tournament or the, I think it was like, even like the conference tournament. I don't even think it was like the NCAA tournament. So like big time petered out. Um, and I think that that come from doing about a week and a half of cross country, I think the first week, yeah, of the, I, first week of the season. So, you know, I think the, was the, that was the hardest preseason. That was the hardest preseason of my life in any yeah, level. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, you know, like we probably won, every game in September and lost every game in October. Yeah. Playing better. Yeah. Um, but the, there was a lot of overuse type injuries, I remember, at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, 
Yeah. No, they got the they got the boys in the next season, and we did the job, didn't we? So, I think, I think like uh, what what's actually really interesting um, when you're talking about overdoing it was that following summer when we played Admirals, mm-hmm. we had been we we had wanted to make sure that we were like full fully fit going into that summer season, and I think that at least personally, uh, I experienced I think what the Mercier's boys experienced in the fall when I got into um, fall season at, at, at Mercyhurst. So that's after doing a full summer of that, and that's training every day. You're playing mm-hmm. games, you know, fitness is at a good level, et cetera. Uh, and then by the time I got preseason uh, for the, for the soft, for my sophomore year, I was just knackered. So it took me about halfway through the season to kind of regain sort of my, energy levels and things like that and you know lo and behold obviously this our season went longer and i think we had definitely um focused on like recovery a lot more than you know than the than the long sort of running and fitness stuff than the in, in the from the previous season yeah it's a tough position to be in for coaches because uh it, it's been an interesting point of view for some of the college coaches i've worked with that yeah um, you know, some really push to play in summer and then some really don't like the idea of, you know, some of their best players actually playing in the summer league just for the potential, like you said, of coming in and not being refreshed or even getting injured. So you can kind of see it from both sides. But at the end yeah. of the day, uh, it is up to the athlete. You know, the coach can, he can offer recommendations, but you can't really tell a player, you know, especially at Division Two level, you can't tell them you're 100% playing for this team, or I don't want you playing at all. You know. Yeah, I, I, it is a tough one because it's like, okay, okay so the college coach doesn't isn't able to do anything in in well directly in the summer, or like I don't I don't know like they they do they have like connection with the the players and they have connections sometimes with uh, the local teams like whatever like the npsl level and stuff like that but they're pretty much not able to they're not able to run sessions with their teams mm-hmm. throughout the summer so to expect the players to not play um during their most important years of development by ages 18 to 20 21 i think is insane like they have to be they have to be able, they have to be playing so if i was a coach i would just say whoever's not fit at the beginning of preseason, you can expect to probably not play the first few weeks, you know, the first few months of month of the season, probably, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? If you, if you're coming in overweight, uh, not having done anything or done much, and there's, there are exceptions to the rules because there are just some people who just like, they're just naturally decently fit, you know? Yeah. Uh, as a general rule of thumb, if you come in and you go through your paces like first couple of days and you're, and you're off, and you're off the pace, then yeah, you can expect to not play, but I wouldn't be spending any of my time wasting time to get them people fit. I would be like, okay, I would expect my best players to be playing throughout the summer. So when they come in, they're ready and they're ready to lead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I've always just enjoyed like getting fitness in through playing anyway, you know, and good, the good, the good coaches are over the are the ones who are able to do that, you know, get fitness yeah. in through playing you know, not wasting time with the fitness and stuff. You know, it's like, I think if anything, like um, things like core workouts and um, and whatever, those are good, like cool downs from your session. And those are good ways to kind of, I, I think, keep people energized between sessions and whatever. But I mean, yeah, I, 
it's I've never, never, obviously, never liked, never liked the fucking running, but like, you know, I, I, you have to be, you have to be fit and you have to be doing it yourself. And if you're not, then, you know, you're, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be playing anyway. Yeah. It's the first impression um, at the end of the day. Um, it's kind of interesting because I know of, you know, school I'm at now, we're not um, highly funded as far as scholarships go. So a lot of people are working full time jobs in summer and then, yeah. Before you know it, preseason's around the corner, and you haven't really prepared as, as much as you need to. But I think one of the common mistakes people make is that they think you can just do more in preseason and kind of catch up quick. You know, if right. you do twice the work, you can get there quicker. But right, um, then usually some of the kids are getting injured. But you know, as far as uh, the season goes, um, when you're in season, what are some things that you probably do differently now looking back? Um, you know, one of the things for me, which I always found frustrating was I didn't have a massive background in nutrition at the time, you know, as an 18 year old, but yeah, I also same. knew that after a game, you probably don't need half a pizza. <laughs> and that was just, uh, it's common, you know, across, okay, no. yeah. I think every college department in America probably has half a pizza after a game. Yeah, the pizza in the Olive Garden and like, you know, the the one two combo. I think I think that was that's ter- like that's so bad for you. And I think now I, I would I would imagine now at least in, in the higher levels, like they're the everyone's got their protein shakes and they're like I don't know, it's cre- if creatine's still illegal or not, but you know, like <laughs> things like that. <laughs> things like that. I mean anyway, I'm not the one to talk about that. I'm just using performance enhancers the whole time. But no, I'm just kidding. Edit that one out. Um, <laughs> no, like uh, you have to have good, good recovery diet. And I think like getting your proteins in right away instead of just kind of eating whatever. Um, but like at the same time, Kev, like you want to, you want to enjoy it. And I think like it, the only thing that I think I'd ever change going back was probably enjoying it a bit more, mm-hmm. um, being a better teammate to people off the field being a better teammate or just a better friend to people, you know, kind of like wanting to have that sort of um, camaraderie and stuff. Like that, that's the thing that I think anyone would always just remember, you know what I mean? And, and I think that like things like nutrition, you sort of naturally do that on your own. Um, mm-hmm. Now, like, yeah. So if, if we're going down to like the final four, for instance, and we're eating at like, what's that Texas roadhouse, yeah. And we're and we're and about to about to train or the next day or have a game the next day. It's like, what are you doing? Like give yourself a chance, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would absolutely go and change those things. Um that we that we were so stupid about. But I think um but more but long, more than more so than that, I, I would, you know, it's just like it's the it's the best time of your life. So at the same time, while you want to be as professional, quote unquote, as you can, like you know, I think enjoying it, you know, that stuff like the bus rides and things like that, you know. I, I do think you need to take a step back and kind of realize where you're at. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're at a, if we're talking just college level and you're at a power five school, you're at Ohio State or, um, you know, you're at Akron, something like that. And you genuinely do have a, a hope of playing professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you're the decisions you make every day are going to impact where you want to be. Um, but I do have a tough time being, being in a position now of telling kids don't do this or don't do that. 
um, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll probably impact long-term performance to an extent. Um, but you don't need to make, you know, poor decisions every day. Uh, but like you said, there is, there's that kind of, you're in college, you know, at the end of the yeah. day. So yeah. you need to be reasonable about kind of what you're getting into. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny, actually, I, like I always watch these 30 for 30 documentaries and I don't know if I banged down about it last time, but um, listening to uh, especially like a lot of the basketball players, football players who, you know, they're, they're playing in front of millions of people, audiences and TV and everything. And the, the amount of money that's involved and they're coming home and they're, ba- they're eating pot noodles, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, that's the reality. That's, that was their reality. That's like, that's athletes reality in college. Like you don't have money. No one's really giving you anything. And it's just like the school is not going to want to pitch fork out any, any money for you anyway. So you're going to get pizza and you're going to get what, whatever they give you. And that's, and you're kind of lucky to have that because you, no one's got really money to, you know, have all the, have all the nice things. And, and, and like, you know, me as an athlete looking back on that and, and me at the time, I was like, this is, this isn't good enough. Like we should have access to just like water bottles, like in the basic things and, you know, protein shakes and things like that, like that should be provided, you know, or none of us are really here. The reason we're all here is to, you know, to, to play and, and, and be successful and stuff. But, you know, it's like, yeah, it, it is that level. Like it's not, you know, you're not, you're not pro, but the problem is they want you to act like you're a pro. And like, you know, when you, when you are on that division one level, you know, you're, you're pretty much a professional, um, as far as tickets and things like that are concerned. So, you know, I think it's, that gets into a whole other, you know, discussion about paying players and whatnot, but like, you know, it's, yeah. it's that's, that's the annoying thing about college sports. And that's why I, I, I really disliked and dislike, I think, a lot of those elements about college sports. Yeah, I, I think somewhere down the road, not sure of the timeline, but uh, I could see that model changing, you know, for... Yeah, it has to. Um, I think it will eventually, yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, where you're at, we're running now. Do you have any um, goals you're looking at as far as, like, distance per month, or do you just kind of give it a go each day? Uh, I just, I just, I just, I just uh, put my headphones in. I walk out of my apartment and I just run until I can't really want to run anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have good, uh, I have where I live now is um, it's right over. It's like two blocks away from uh, the lake. So the beach pretty much and stuff. And we have a really nice lakefront where that goes about, I don't know, probably three to five miles. Um, so it's a, I have a big loop that I do and um if you want to go past like everything and kind of run through the, and then you could kind of run through the middle of the city on the way back, that's about a seven or eight mile run. So I've been doing that a bit more. Um, trying to get the mile count up a lot, a bit more, honestly, mm-hmm. it just, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to push past like, you know, the, the standard like 5k runs and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, once, once I'm start, I'm starting to, I got vaccinated. So I'm going to start playing again pretty regularly and, I would like to be able to do uh, the two miler in 12 minutes. Yeah. 10 years later. Every time I've done it, even on the, even on the, uh, the treadmill, like I can do about a mile and a half, maybe the best I could miss. I was close was like a mile and 1.75 at the 12 minute pace. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's I would like to do that again so that I can justify being able to to say I'm fit for selection. Yeah, I've been thinking about that now too. Is the weather is getting a little bit better? We're back um, refing college soccer games. The couple of teams around here have spring season, mm. um, so it's first time refing in a long time. Uh, it's not challenging at all, uh, to be honest. You know, I'm in a good spot compared to most uh, middle aged referees, <laughs> but. Uh, now that the weather is getting a little bit better, start thinking, you know, maybe get outside the gym uh, a little bit more and, and get back into the run myself. But um, one of the harder things is trying to set, for me, um, is trying to set a goal. Like, uh, I, I would like to have kind of your perspective where you just go for a run and just go for it, you know, mm. without saying, like, you need to do this, like a 12-minute, two-mile or, you know, something like that. Well, Kev, I, I do enjoy like those more like proper, like, uh, well, I say organized training, but like not when you're on your own. Like if you're with, if it's like me and you and we're going to, and going to say, okay, we're going to do um, like eight, six, four, two sprints, or we're going to do um, whatever, whatever you come up with and you say, all right, we're going to do, yeah. we're going to do like this training session today. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love that. And I, and I love the feeling after the fact. And then it's just like, then you can talk about it and you're like, you just, you feel like, like you've done something and you're like with another person or a group or whatever. And I, I and that's brilliant. Like I'm, I, that's what I miss. I miss that every day. Like that was the, that's been the hardest part of, you know, isolation and, you know, kind of having, you know, coming away from the game as the way that I did, you know what I mean? But so, but like when you're not, I kind of, when you're not like in that environment, you kind of have to just like do what makes you feel better. And that, and for me, it's, I'm not one of them who are, I say I'm going on a five mile run and I walk half the time, but like you just kind of go and you push yourself as much as you want. I you end up pushing yourself a lot. Mm. Just me being who I am, like I end up doing that. But you know, I think the one thing is like you don't. You're not. I'm not as um, I'm not as like disciplined as I think I used to be with like always doing like an, uh, a core workout after a run, for instance, and you know getting you know, your, your, your protein or getting whatever, uh, nutrient shakes and whatever after, after the fact, you know, I come back from a run, like I'll go meet up with someone or hang out, have a beer whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's like, I, that's, I still need to get, I, I'm still not happy with like where my body's at and where I am physically. Um, and it's just hard when you're on your own to, to kind of manage all of that. But mm. I, you know, I, like, I would love to, once the shit's over, like, you know, get into the gym more and do something like three, four times a week and get it back into like proper training. So, yeah. Yeah. But mentally, it, I, I just, I like the way that it works for me right now. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's great. Do you have anything else you want to finish up with before we get going? Yeah, we've been on the, uh, on this for a bit, haven't we? Uh, um, no, just uh, keep your eyes out for the album. Uh, I think it's going to sh- surprise some people, um, whoever's, familiar uh with some of my music and i think it'll be something brand new and sounding good <laughs> i'm looking forward Listen to, to it, it I, i've yeah. heard enough about it so uh yeah time to get it out yeah, yeah 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 for sure for sure it's definitely like like you said you're gonna get some heavy songs you get some fast songs you get some slow songs and some some everything in between them so yeah yeah that that's that and um yeah keep subscribing and listen to the training ground podcast man so i'm buzzing second time i appreciate your first guest yeah. for the second uh, appearance so standard man good stuff <laughs> um 
Thanks for coming on, Sam. We'll talk yeah, to you cheers, soon. Yeah, cheers, Kev. All right, pal. Thanks for listening to the podcast today and the episode with Sam McCullough on the training ground.